You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us for Church Online. Well, today we're starting a new sermon series called His Name Shall Be, and I'm going to kick us off. So we're going to get into the Word of God. So why don't we pray? Father, speak to us. Lord, we didn't come to hear from Don. We didn't come to hear from man. God, we came to hear from you because with you are the words of life. Uh, The words, Father, that you speak, they have power. Your word has power to shift atmospheres. Your word has power to change situations and circumstances. Your word has power to transform lives. And so right now, God, we humble ourselves and we bring ourselves under the authority of your word. And we say, oh God, speak to us. Your servants are listening. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Let me just go on ahead and ask you quickly, what is your name? Do you know what your name means? Do you know uh, why you were given that name? Do you know who you are being named after? Is there a significance to the name that you've been given? My name is Don uh, and my name has multiple meanings. As a verb, my name means to put on or to clothe. But as a noun, my name means a high-ranking member of the mafia. That right there, my friends, is just absolutely hilarious. Uh, Other definitions of the name Don could also mean brown, lol, uh, chief or noble. All of these are actually brilliant and amazing names. But if I'm gonna be honest with you, that's not the reason my parents called me Don. You see, my dad had a friend and this friend was his ride or die friend. That's colloquialism for the kind of friend that was gonna be there with you through thick and thin, through the good and the hard times. And I'm being told that they were really good friends. This particular friend helped my parents in so many ways. He was so generous. He had such a giving heart. He helped my parents to move things into the very first home that they owned. Uh, They would barbecue together all the time. He and his wife would go out of their way uh, and make an effort uh, for my parents. And so when I was born, my parents decided his name shall be called Don. Named after the man who helped my parents in their early years of marriage. Named after the man who constantly went out of his way to care for my parents. Named after the man who showed such a love for my parents. Names are such an interesting thing. When you think about names, you realise that they are so important to any individual because your name is what identifies you. When you ask me, what is your name? You're not just asking me who I am. You're also asking me where I come from. You're asking me who my parents are. You're asking me where I grew up. You're asking me what life experiences do I have. You're asking me what my cultural background is. You're asking me what my upbringing was like. It's in the name. We see it all throughout the Bible. You mention the name Jonah and you almost immediately associate his name with his experience of being in a whale's belly. Uh, You mention the name Zacchaeus and you associate his name with his occupation. He was a tax collector. You mention the name Rahab and you associate her name with the marvellous testimony of how she was able to hide spies in her home uh, that ultimately led to her salvation. You mention the name Esther and you associate her name with her assignment. That moment Mordecai says to her, who knows whether 
you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. It's in the name. Names have uh, the same spelling. They may have the same pronunciation and sometimes the same meaning, but they don't always carry the same sentiment. Two people's names could be Joseph, but it don't necessarily mean that they're both named after the same Joseph. You see, Joseph in Samoa could be named after a missionary who visited the village and Joseph in Manurewa could be named after his koro. Same name, same spelling, same pronunciation, probably the same meaning, but completely different sentiments. But it's in the name. And so whether the name is Obama Nikwa or Watermelon Drea or Tsufatasi Olima, Maisipati Viele regardless of what the name may be, your name is important. Your name is significant. Your name is what identifies you. And today we're gonna be looking at one of the names or titles mentioned in Isaiah 9 verse six. Here's what it says. For unto us, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. How stunning is that? This prophecy was not only speaking to what was happening uh, during the time of the author, it was also speaking to a future fulfilment of the prophecy that would be fulfilled through the birth of Jesus. Whilst these different names aren't the literal names of Jesus, they do point us to aspects of His character. They describe who He is and what He has come to do. And so today, I'm gonna be speaking on the name Wonderful Counselor. The message for us today is simply titled, It's in the name. Turn to the person next to you in your bubble and say, it's in the name. As we dive into the passage, there are a few things that I want you to understand. And so I'm gonna give you some context in order to paint the picture for us. After the death of King Solomon, Israel split into two kingdoms, the Northern Kingdom, which remained Israel and the Southern Kingdom, which was called Judah. During the time of this passage, the Assyrian Empire, who was further north of Israel, was on the rise. They were mighty, they were strong, they were powerful, they were a great big force. And they began to make their military advances towards Israel. The king um, who was reigning over Judah at the time was a man by the name of Ahaz. And so Isaiah, the author of this text, is speaking to Judah, the southern kingdom of Israel, who is in a bit of a dilemma. Because on one side, you've got the northern kingdom of Israel and on on the other side, you've got Syria. And both of these nations are pressuring Judah to make an alliance with them, to join forces uh, with them to defeat the Assyrian Empire. King Ahaz would have been at a crossroads because he knew this mighty empire, Assyria, uh, was coming. But at the same time, if he didn't join forces with Israel or Syria, they might turn around and wage war on him. So he's at a crossroads. He's having to make uh, some major decisions right there. He's having to make a call for the entire kingdom of Judah. All of that would have had to rest on his shoulders. And so how do you know? How do you discern? How do you even attempt to make a decision as such, realising that the lives of thousands of people lay in your hands? How was he meant to know? You see, King Ahaz had three options. Option number one, he can give into the pressure and join forces with Syria and Northern Israel in their fight against Assyria. Option two, he can join Assyria instead by coming under their rule in exchange for protection and security. Option number three, He can choose to trust that God is going to fight for the kingdom of Judah, regardless the number of armies that come His way. 
The story goes on to say that King Ahaz refused to join Israel or Syria. And so they invaded the kingdom of Judah. They're wanting to replace Ahaz with a king who was more willing and who would be willing enough to join forces with them in order to defeat uh, the Assyrian Empire. And so they wage war against Judah. But in 2 Kings chapter 16, it says that they were able to surround Judah with its armies and forces, but they couldn't conquer Judah. Now, when the word had gotten to King Ahaz that Syria's forces were now deployed in Ephraim, not too far from Judah, the Bible says that his heart and the heart of his people were being moved, uh, were moved as the trees of the woods are moved with wind. In other words, they were filled with terror. They were filled with fear. And so the prophet Isaiah, the author of this text, is speaking into a situation where the kingdom of Judah would have been feeling powerless. He's speaking into a situation where the kingdom of Judah would have been afraid of the rulers of the north and the neighbouring countries. He's speaking into a situation where Judah would have been in despair, not knowing what to do or who to turn to. And so it's there where we pick up the story. When the Lord begins to speak to Ahaz through the prophet Isaiah, the messages or the prophecies are associated with three children's names. The first one being Shear Yashub, the second one being Emmanuel, and the third one being Maher Shalal Khashbaz. And now before you go on saying, buddy, International Sunday was last week, let me assure you and let you know that we are definitely gonna go somewhere with us. The first child's name was Shear Yashub. You see, God spoke through Isaiah and said to him, go to Ahaz and take your son Shear Yashub with you when you go to meet him. The name Shear Yashub means a remnant shall return. God said to Isaiah, tell Ahaz not to be afraid. Tell him not to fear. Tell him not to worry. This invasion is not gonna happen. It will never take place. Meanwhile, you've got Isaiah's son, Shear Yashub, running about during their meeting, waiting on his father, just being a kid. In other words, every time that King Ahaz sees Shear Yashub, he is being reminded a remnant shall return. Every time that kid is running about with his father, uh, with his father I, Isaiah, King Ahaz is being reminded a remnant shall return. Every time that kid is out and about, King Ahaz is being reminded that even though the northern Israel and Syria may attack you, only a remnant of their forces and armies are gonna return home. Every time that Isaiah would have had to call his son by name, Shear Yashub, that would have been a ringing reminder for Ahaz that a remnant shall return. Shear was the walking reminder that those armies would be defeated. It was in the name. Shear Yashub was the walking reminder that Judah was gonna be victorious. It's in the name. Shear Yashub was the walking reminder to trust in the Lord. It's in the name. Now you would think after hearing the message and seeing a walking reminder of the message that Ahaz would then heed the message and trust God. But unfortunately, he did not. You see, here's the thing. Fear and worry will always keep you from hearing and seeing the message that God is trying to send your way. The message of His provision, the message of His love, the message of His protection and the message of His faithfulness. Fear and worry will always keep you from hearing and seeing the message. Fear and worry will always keep you from realising the miracles within your grasp. And sometimes it's not enough to just silence the fear with positive thinking because it's gonna take more than sound noise control to shut out the fear. It takes more than just a good plan 
and to get you from where you are to where you ought to be. It takes more than just motivation to go from nothing to something. It takes faith. Faith becomes the bridge between where I am and where I wanna go. Faith becomes the bridge between who I am and who I'm gonna be. Faith becomes the bridge between the car crash and the walking out of the hospital alive. Because it's one thing to hear the message of the Lord. It's one thing to see a walking reminder of the message of the Lord, but it's another thing to have faith and believe the message is true. It's one thing to hear and see the miracle, but it's another thing to trust God for the miracle. Let me encourage you, don't be so overcome by fear that you get to the point where you neglect to hear and see that which God is doing in your world. When you find yourself in a situation like Ahaz did, when you are at a crossroads and don't know what to do, when you've got redundancy on one side and bills on the other side, when you've got your business on one side and your family on the other side, don't allow fear to pull up a seat in the meeting room of your heart and allow it to counsel you. Don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Because to give into fear would be to jeopardise the very thing that God is trying to do in your life. The name of the second child was Emmanuel, God with us. The story goes on to say that God sent another message to Ahaz and this time God says to him, Ahaz, you need only to trust in me. Don't fear, don't be afraid, don't worry. But if you need confirmation that I'm gonna be with you, ask me for a sign. It can be an extravagant sign. Ask for any sign and I'm gonna give it to you. Do you know what King Ahaz's response was? He said, oh Lord, I could never test you like that. And so God spoke to Ahaz through Isaiah and said, the Lord Himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. The name Emmanuel means God with us. By the time this child is old enough to choose what is right and reject what is wrong, he will be eating yogurt and honey. Isaiah goes on to say, for before the child is that old, the lands of the two kings that you are so afraid of will both be deserted. In other words, Isaiah is saying, pay attention, Ahaz, because it's in the name. Emmanuel, I'm gonna be with you. Emmanuel, I'll go with you. Emmanuel, I'll make my presence known to you. Again, the message of the Lord is being communicated through the name of the second child, Emmanuel. I'll be with you, so you need not to fear. But also, a time frame has been established. Uh, Ahaz, it won't be long because those two nations that you're afraid of are going to be destroyed before this child is even able to eat yogurt and honey. When you are full of fear, it's hard to sit, it's hard to wait, and it's hard to exercise any form of patience. But also, it's hard to make any wise decisions. You see, the fear of not knowing is like mankind's most unbearable feeling. It's because we like to be in control of the situation. We like to know in advance how this ends, what happens in the end. And so when it seems like it isn't working out for us, we start to fear the worst and in the process, jump to all sorts of conclusions. And so our response to that, we, 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 we quit the job, we throw in the towel, we give up on that family member, we turn back to our old ways, we turn away and we walk away from God and we say things like, God, why won't you heal me already? We say, God, how come uh, the wicked are flourishing and I'm out here working two jobs just to get by? We say things like, God, why have you done this? 
We focus on the fear so much that we lead ourselves to believe that God has left us. God has abandoned us. God has forgotten us. It was fear that kept Ahaz from believing that God was with him. It was fear that kept Ahaz from trusting in God. Because the truth is, there was divine purpose behind the problem. There was a miracle waiting to happen in the midst of the problem. John C. Maxwell puts it beautifully. Every miracle in the Bible started with a problem. Let me tell you, don't allow your fear of the problem to get in the way of the miracle that God is about to do in your life. Don't allow fear to be the only voice of counsel that you let into your heart because fear will ultimately lead you to a life of deception that says God has forsaken you, but God has not. Because Emmanuel, it's in the name, God is with us. The third child's name, was Maher Shalal Hashbaz. Sometime after this, God instructed Isaiah to write this name on a signboard. The name means swift to plunder and quick to carry away. Now, when Isaiah and his wife had a baby, God said to Isaiah, name your son Maher Shalal Hashbaz. Because before this baby was even going to be able to say Papa and Mama, Israel and Syria will be plundered by the Assyrian Empire. Once again, the name of this baby was communicating a message to King Ahaz. He had nothing to worry about. All of these prophetic messages uh, through the names of these children, they implore Ahaz to put his trust in God. These messages were saying to Ahaz, don't give in to fear. Don't put your faith and the fate of the nation in the hands of the king of Assyria because Assyria will be swift to plunder and quick to carry away. After all of these messages and these signs, Guess what Ahaz decides to do? He decides to appeal to the Assyrian Empire for help. And he says, I am your servant. I am your son. Come up and help rescue me. He even starts to send gold and silver from the temple as a tribute to them. Now the Assyrians were able to defeat the northern enemies, but this rescue came at a cost. Because now Judah would have to send annual tributes to Assyria, placing such a financial burden on Judah in the years to come. Judah had to endure the yoke of Assyria even after Ahaz died. Can you imagine the devastation that Judah would have felt as a nation? Years of hard work, years of tireless labour, Years of living in abundance now quickly turning to nothing. A darkness had fallen on Judah. The people would have been shattered. News of people losing their jobs all over the place. News of businesses going bankrupt all over the place. Parents not even being able to earn enough to put bread and butter on the table. The marketplace would have been empty because darkness had fallen on Judah. This nation whose name means praise and gratitude is now filled with sorrow and darkness. Input and export of goods would have come to a halt. Poverty starting to hit the land. People starting to go without. People living out on the streets, your neighbour starting to go without, but now it's getting personal because the darkness is coming knocking at your door. Now you've got no job. Now you've got no food. Now you're losing loved ones, those most dearest to you because darkness has fallen on Judah. Can I get real with you, church? Have you ever been so afraid, so full of fear that you found yourself in a dark place? 
You may be tuning in right now and you're saying, that's right where I am. I'm walking through life, but I'm in a dark place. I've lost my job. All those years of studying and working towards my dream job, I've lost it all. I'm in a dark place. I've lost my wife and kids, 10 years married, and I can't seem to let go of the drink. I've lost, I've, I'm in a dark place. I've lost my family member to COVID, man. I'm in a dark place. I've gone out of business. I'm in a dark place. I can't seem to let go of my past hurts. I'm in a dark place. I've become too addicted. I'm in a dark place. I'm doing time right now. I'm in a dark place. If that's you, I wanna let you know that we have a light that the darkness cannot comprehend. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him and without Him, nothing was made that was made. In Him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shines in the darkness and guess what? The darkness did not comprehend it. It may be dark right now wherever you are, but God got me on here to let you know that the darkness will never swallow up the light of God. You ought to say, oh, hell may be breaking loose in my life right now, but I can see the light shining bright enough for me to take another step forward. God knows where you're at. God knows how you're feeling. God knows what's in your heart. God knows what's going on in your house. God knows your emotions. God knows the turbulence that you're going through in your family. God knows what's happening in your workplace. God knows what's going on on in your neighbourhood and let me encourage you. If He guided you into it, the same God will guide you through it. You could be in the hospital bed, God will send the light your way. You could be in the courtroom, God's gonna send the light your way. You could be in your home, God is gonna send the light your way. You could be in the prison cell, God is sending the light your way because the darkness cannot swallow the light. You see, beyond Ahaz's faithlessness and Judah's devastation, there was still hope even in the darkness. And the people of Judah walking in the darkness will soon see a great light. Because here's the good news. There was a fourth child. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given and the government will be upon his shoulder and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. The fourth child's name is Wonderful Counselor. The meaning of the word wonderful in the Hebrew language is the idea of something being out of this world, never seen before, wonderful as in our human minds cannot comprehend it, so wonderful that only God could do it. The meaning of the word counselor in the Hebrew language is the idea of an advisor or a guide, someone you seek to know what to do. And so when we say wonderful counsellor, he's not just a counsellor. He's a wonderful counsellor. It's in the name. It means that his advice is out of this world. It's in the name. It means that his advice speaks to that, that goes beyond the natural. It's in the name. It means his counsel is that which is eternal. It's in the name. And you need to know today that that wonderful counsellor came not in, in this world riding in a, in, in a Ferrari. He came not into this world wrapped in Louis Vuitton, 
the splendour of His coming to earth was not in the baby cot that He was in. It was not in the furniture. It wasn't in the brand of the sheets that He was wrapped in. It wasn't in the stuff. It wasn't in the natural things. It was in the divine things. It wasn't in the tangible. It was the intangible. You see, it doesn't matter how big of a house I may have. What matters is that it feels like home. It doesn't matter how much I paid for a bed. It matters that I get a good night's sleep. It doesn't matter how many security guards I hire to watch over my house. It matters that I feel safe. It doesn't matter that I can afford to go to an expensive restaurant and eat. It matters who I'm eating with. The splendour of His coming wasn't in the stuff. It wasn't in that which was, uh, it was in that which was eternal, divine and intangible. The glory of His coming wasn't in the stuff. That's why you can't allow fear to tell you that just because your external circumstances is being challenged, that there is no God there. Don't allow fear to fool you into thinking that just because you're in the middle of a situation in your life, that Jesus ain't there because Jesus came in a stable. And while He was walking this earth, He said, since I'm here, I might as well go on ahead and take and get despised on your behalf. Since I'm here, let me just go on ahead and carry the wounds for your transgressions. Since I'm here, I'm just gonna go on ahead and and carry the bruises for your iniquities. Since I'm here, let me just go on ahead and take the chastisement for your peace. Since I'm here, let me just go on ahead and take these stripes so that you would be healed. Let me carry that for you so that you don't have to carry it. He said, I'll carry your grief. I'll carry your sorrow. I'll carry your pain. I'll carry your rejection. I'll carry your fear. I'll carry your loss. I'll carry your anxiety. Church, the splendour of His coming wasn't in the stuff. It's in the abstract things that our human minds cannot comprehend. He came to redeem us from, the, from sin and death. He came to set us free, to deliver us from the curse of the law, to destroy the works of the enemy, to fight back the forces of darkness that we could never fight on our own. But can I also suggest that perhaps He also came to understand what it was like to be you. Perhaps He came so that He would know what temptation was what tired was, what sleep was, what lonely was, what emptiness was, so that, you could un- so that he could understand and be touched with what it was like to be you. I don't care that there was no baby shower. I don't care that there was probably no atmospheric music playing. I don't care that uh, whether it's the 25th of December or not. I care that he loved me enough to come to where I was. I care that when fear had me bound, when depression had me bound, when uh, anxiety had me bound, when sin had me bound, when I was suicidal, I care enough that He loved me enough to come right down to where I was and sit with me and feel my pain and be touched by the feeling of my infirmity. Hebrews 2 verse 17 to 18 says this, Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. Again, in Hebrews 4, 14 to 16, it says, so then since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to what we 
we believe. This high priest of, our, of ours understands our weaknesses for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Finally, someone who understands my pain. Finally, someone who knows what it's like to walk a mile in my shoes. Finally, someone who knows how I really feel. Finally, someone who understands what I didn't get in life. Finally, someone who understands what my upbringing was like. Finally, someone who understands the groanings of my soul. Finally, someone who understands why I'm afraid, why I'm hungry, why I'm angry, why I'm worried, why I'm anxious, why I stand funny, why I walk crooked. Finally, someone who understands me. And so when you choose not to hang out with me no more, when you choose to walk away from me, ignore me, limit me, frustrate me and isolate me, when I come to you for counsel in my hour of need during my lowest time of my life and you don't get me and you don't understand me, when I come to you and you don't get it, I go to the rock, the rock that is higher than I. Some call him the Nazarene, some call him the rabbi, some call him miracle worker, but I call him wonderful counsellor because it's in the name. And so how do I receive counsel from this wonderful counsellor? The answer is simple, through the Word of God. Church, it is the reading, it is the meditating, it is the studying, it is the wrestling in, it is the sitting in the Word of God that is gonna help you in, this, in some of the darkest seasons of your life. When darkness covered the earth, God spoke and said, let there be light and there was light. There is power in the Word. It will become a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. Jesus was the Word made flesh. He is the embodiment of the Word. And so it is in the Word where you will find all that you need to journey through life. Now, I'm not saying, you know, that we don't need no counsellors no more. I'm not saying to go on ahead and decline and, and cancel all your bookings with your counsellors because God can use them to counsel you too. But I'm talking about the kind of counsel that reaches down into the depths of your soul, you will find it in the Word. Church, let me encourage you today. As we celebrate the birth of our Saviour this season, I want you to remember, for unto us a child is born. Not unto them, not unto the wealthy, not unto the ones who have it all together, it's personal. Unto us, that's you and me, the broken, the happy, the impoverished, the addict, the desolate, the abandoned, the rejected. Unto us, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. This child was given so that when nobody else understands you, and you need someone that you can turn to so that when you pour your heart out to people who are calloused and don't understand the feeling of what you're going through, this child, this wonderful counsellor is not only in touch with what you're going through, but he's in touch with how you feel about what you're going through. Wonderful counsellor. It's in the name. With every head bowed and every eye closed. We never like to close our service without giving people an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. And if that's you and you're here today and you've not made a decision, you're not in a personal relationship with Jesus, you've not said yes to Jesus, this is your chance. The truth is God loves you. 
and He created you. He created you to enjoy a relationship with Him. He created you to connect with Him. But the Bible talks about a barrier that keeps us disconnected from God. You see, that barrier that disconnects us, that, that, that disconnect is caused by sin. Sin is doing things our own way and walking in disobedience to God. It is that sin that separates us from God. It is that sin that disconnects us from God. But also the penalty of that sin is death. But you know what? God in His grace sent His own Son, Jesus, to die on the cross so that you and I didn't have to pay the penalty for that sin. You see, God loved the world so much that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believed in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. When Jesus died on the cross, He took on Himself what you and I would do for our sin. It's as simple as this. We did the crime, but Jesus paid the fine. You see, God extends to every one of us His grace, forgiveness for your past, a new life right now, a hope for your future and eternal life with Him in heaven. But it means that we must repent from sin. We must repent. Repent is a 180 degree turn from sin and turn to Jesus. Put our faith in Jesus. Put our trust in Jesus for everlasting life. And so if that's you today, and you're saying, I don't wanna do life my way no more. I wanna release control of my life. I want to live life God's way. I wanna be connected to God. I wanna come into relationship with God. I want you to pray this prayer with me. But I also want you to know that this prayer doesn't save you. Jesus saves you. But this prayer is just an expression of your faith and trust in Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and into my life. I wanna trust you and follow you as my Lord and Saviour. Amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer today, I just wanna say congratulations. We are so proud of you and welcome home. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz.